Let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Acts. On Wednesday, I preached where we had been reading on Wednesday, in Acts chapter 8. And we today's message will also come from Acts chapter 8. I'll show you something with this today. It'll be a blessing and a help to you. Acts chapter 8. You enjoying your reading in Acts? Are you learning a lot about what happened in the early days of the church? It's pretty amazing all the different things, all the different actions and activities that went on as the gospel began to spread and as people were learning. Such a transition was going on uh, from the Jewish uh, faith being the dominant thing to Christ being taught and being preached and what it took to lay the foundations of what we enjoy now in our Christianity is pretty amazing when you look at it. And Acts chapter 8, in just a moment, I'm going to begin in verse 25. We're going to go through an account which will be familiar to those who have been in the Bible some and around the church some. And uh, I will go through and just give a little bit of narration as we go through that will be helpful to you. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to show you what I believe is this morning's message for our church on lessons in leading lessons in leading and uh, you'll see how that fits uh, here in the Bible and why that's a biblical theme here. But let's pray together and let's, let's enjoy this together. Father, thank you. What a wonderful song. It was wonderful to hear that again and sing it again and, and Lord to be reminded. Help us Lord to love you. Think about the fullness of who you are and how much you care for us. Guide us today as we need to be able to go from here and guide others. Lord, we ask for your, your guiding in our lives. May we be yielded to you. Father, I ask you specifically that folks will set aside the hurts and the follies of the previous week, the anticipations and the maybe even fears of what's coming up next. Lord, may they not lose this valuable time they have because of being distracted elsewhere. Help us to have our hearts and minds on your word. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 8 and verse 25. It says, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And of course, what happened, um, the believers had been scattered upon the persecution of Stephen. Stephen was martyred. He was killed for what he believed. And there was a great persecution came upon the believers that were in Jerusalem. People of the city turned against them. On Wednesday, when I spoke on a message entitled of Crowds and Con Men, that was, that was Wednesday. It's worth you listening to. It'd be helpful to you. We found out how quickly the people went from really honoring the people who followed Christ to actually turning on them. And uh, many of the believers of Christ got scattered all over. And yet they were now heading back to Jerusalem, some of them were. And as they came back, they didn't waste their time. They stopped at a lot of different villages. They were preaching the gospel in different places. They were making sure people heard the word of God. That's what was going on here in verse 25. Verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. So one of these believers, God directly led him, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And that is the Gaza you hear about in the news, the Gaza Strip and that sort of thing. Seems strange, doesn't it? 
to go from the villages, the towns, places where the Word of God's actually being received, and God says to him, you go down there, and it's desert. I don't know if you know or not, deserts are not known for their large population bases. Uh, I don't mind using good sense and reason and wisdom. We can see that God sometimes, like at Corinth and different places, God put the gospel into a place where then it could go out into all the world from there. But let's always be uh, very, very wise and very sensitive to what the Lord wants us to do, even when it may seem like something obscure. Like you get a little bit of nudge to talk to that person, to give that person a gospel tract, give a witness to him, and you wonder, what's that all about? And after you're done talking to him, you may wonder what that's all about. I have had strong leadings of the Lord before where I went over and talked to somebody, and I get done, and I'm like, okay. I don't know what that was all about. I was expecting you know, this person to get saved, want my son to be saved, something didn't turn out like that at all. But the fact is that God wants us to be obedient to him, and that's what he was doing with Philip, because God had a particular interest in somebody that was down there. Don't forget that God loves the individual. Verse 27, And he arose and went. There's the key to Christian living. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, which was a prosperous nation at the time, quite a history, preparing for the message. I'm not going to go into it. I just did for my own edification. I did a further and, and a deeper research into Ethiopia and some of its history and how it interacted with Egypt and the different places and also under Solomon's rule. And it's really quite, quite a study. Of course, when I was young, Ethiopia became famous because of the, the, the famines. And we saw the pictures, which were not common things back then. You didn't see this much of, of this sort of thing, like on TV and that. But of the, uh, of the children starving and those things going on, and it was an impoverished place. And, uh, but Ethiopia here was strong and had, uh, had a great commerce to it. And so he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. There's a man way up in government under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So he had come there. He had been there, apparently, a time either at or immediately following the events at Pentecost and those things going on, certainly while that early church was gaining strength and power, thousands of people being saved, great number of the priests believing on Christ, and this Ethiopian fellow, this fellow of Ethiopia, who was not a Jewish man, came in. And he came to Jerusalem to worship, and he's returning. Verse 28, he was returning and sitting in his chariot. I read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit saith unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. Now you imagine this. This fellow has a copy of the Prophet Isaiah, and he's reading it out loud, saying, so Tell why he's reading when you come up to him. Philip hears this, he hears what he's reading, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And uh, so he asked him a question which some people might take as offensive. I know that, I got that. You run into that a lot, witnessing, soul winning. I got it, I know. People make things up, don't, don't want to you know, appear like they don't know something. That's always, that mindset, and I don't doubt, you know, as many people as I'm talking to right now, some of y'all got that kind of mindset about some things. That, that, that's really a way not to learn or grow. That's a prideful thing. Uh, you know, you know what you know, and if you know it, just be secure in it and, and uh, go forward. But be willing, to, be willing to learn a few things along the way. This fellow was. And Philip asked him, he said, he said understand this what thou readest. I mean, what else did go ask? The guy's reading the book of Isaiah. You know, we give out gospel tracking, you reach in your pocket, and you get a gospel track, you hand that to somebody, and they just start reading it, and they're, what's this all about, you know? That's, that's pretty easy. You know, you've got somebody who's interested, at least what's going on. 
and talked to him uh, at that time. And then look at the, the frank admission in verse 31 what this Ethiopian, this, this influential man in his government said. And he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. I wonder who you could guide. There are people you could guide. Most of you sitting in this room know enough of the Gospel you could guide somebody to Christ. Most of you in this room, if you've been around here very long, in almost any group in our society you're in, you'll know more Bible than most people you're with. It's not a pride point. It's a point of your usefulness. What are you doing with what you know? He said, I want somebody to guide me. This fellow wanted to know something. He had went to Jerusalem to worship. He wanted to know something. He said, but I don't understand. He's an educated man, obviously. He's a man of influence, obviously, but he does not understand what he's reading. He needs somebody to guide him. <laughs> and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. He said, come up here. I'm reading this. The place of the Scripture which he read was this. And if you were to wonder where he was, you would find it in what we know as Isaiah chapter 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so openeth he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? How many of you know who that's talking about? How many of you know? Who's it, who is it talking about? Tell me. It's talking about Jesus, isn't it? He doesn't know that. And he's reading. And by the way, Isaiah 53, if you ever wanted to go to an Old Testament passage where it would be easy to lead somebody to Christ, Isaiah 53 talks about how Christ was crucified and what He went through. And we understood that. But he didn't understand that. And that had just happened very, very recently at Jerusalem where he was. He had been there. I'm not saying he was there at the crucifixion necessarily, but he was just where all this had transpired. And yet, he, he, he didn't know it at all. He didn't get it. Look what his question is. He's not being silly. He's not being anything like that. Verse 34, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? He said, is Isaiah talking about Isaiah? Is Isaiah talking about somebody else? Who's he talking about? He did not understand. May I plead with you? You remember this, many of you. May I plead with you as someone who had ability to read? a decent understanding of language, but I didn't understand spiritually. Needed someone to guide. That's where this man was. There's a lot of people like that. There's a person, uh, Sister Jody, my wife, visited, and she recounted to them a, a story of what had happened. This uh, young lady, uh, I'm not going into too much because she may visit here at some point, Thought perhaps she'd be here this morning. But she uh, was in a Bible-believing church as a young person. I don't know all the detail. Got out of that church. She now is making effort. In fact, we've kind of crossed paths. We do this every now and then cross paths. She's actually had um, her child's went over to Brother Nip's church in the evening. They don't have anything for the children in the morning as far as a junior church and that, but in the evening. And how that came about, she had looked at potentially sending here a while back. We've kind of crossed paths back and forth with this, this family at different times. And uh, anyway, the, um, what jolted her into realizing this was they were at some sort of a thing and there was a Bible and her child, I think, was seven at the time. Nine, nine now, I think, or seven now. Something like seven. Right? And, uh, but the child the, saw the book, saw 
something like this, and said, what's that? And his mom said, the Bible. And he looked at her and said, what's that? She said it just broke her heart. She had realized she'd brought up her child and he didn't even know what a Bible was. Didn't know what that was at all. Didn't know anything about that. What do you mean a Bible? What's a Bible? What's that about? What tells us about God? Who's he? Christ. It's all through. They need someone to guide them. And he said, who's he talking about? We don't get this. And he said, he needs someone to guide him. Then look what happens in verse 35. I love it. Then Philip opened his mouth. <laughs> you got to do that. Open your mouth. And began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now you understand, he didn't preach like I'm speaking to a crowd here like this. I'm sure he didn't jump up in the chair and say, point one. Yeah. No. And you're saying preach, evangelizo. He was actually speaking. This is how you ladies can be preachers. You preach the Word. You tell other folks about Christ. And so he did this. And he preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, which was not a real common thing. Do you remember what Gaza is? The Lord said, go down the way, which is Gaza, which is what? Desert, right? And so they saw water along the way. And um, so he saw this after he's been talking to him about the Lord and he's explained Isaiah 53 and who knows what all else to him. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What does it hinder me to be baptized? Isn't that great? And Philip said, now watch it. And by the way, if you're looking at a book that doesn't have verse 37 in it, see me after the service. I'll tell you why that and a whole lot more is missing and twisted in what you're looking at. Look in verse 37. And Philip said... If thou believest, the NIV doesn't have that in it. Doesn't have that verse in it. Strange thing to leave out, isn't it? There's others that don't either. Look at verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he says, I want to get baptized. And Philip says, Hold on, hold on, hold the chair just here a second. Do you believe on Christ? Now, this fellow, think context. This fellow has been in Jerusalem. He's reading the Old Testament prophet. But, and so it's not just a flippant statement. This is somebody, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And then look at this profession of faith. Verse, uh, verse uh, 37 at the end of it again. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's not just talking in a historical context. He's saying, I believe he's the one. So on that profession of faith, he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, because biblical baptism is always by complete immersion. That's right. When water's just been sprinkled or poured over someone, that may be somebody in their family, or maybe when they were real small, they, someone did that when they were an infant. That's probably someone in their family was trying to do the best for them that they understood with their religious training. They were try, probably trying to do right by them by what they understood. From the Bible, from the Bible, baptism always is completely under the water because it shows the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look what it says here with it. It says they went both down into the water, uh, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. Remember, they're crossing paths like this. And... Uh, and he went on his way rejoicing. So 
you know, that Ethiopian's happy, man. He'd been seeking the Lord. And someone finally just took and explained to him, this is who it is. Oh, he did. He, he witnessed to him and told him about it. But Philip was found at Azotus, which is a, uh, uh, which is a uh, port city northeast of where he was. And uh, he, excuse me, northwest where he was. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So he just had the time and kept going. But there was an interlude there between the villages of the Samaritans and Azotus and then the villages of Caesarea. There was an interlude there where God sent him down to a desert place because there was one man who had a heart that was seeking God. In our Sunday school classes and our adult Bible classes this morning, we learned about how God communicates to man. We found out that God has communicated through His creation, through man's conscience, and most fully and perfectly through the Word of God. And here this man was using what he knew, and God sent a faithful witness by and told him. God's got somebody out there for you like that. I don't probably won't find him in a chariot. That won't be it. But who knows? Uh, people think their cars are chariots nowadays. And uh, so it's, uh, there's somebody out there that you could help. And so i got to think about this thing, and that's a familiar account, but I want to give you just some thoughts on lessons on leading with this. Um, it's interesting. When it talks about Philip, they went, he and the other disciples went in through Samaria and that. And then he went down there to Gaza and he took some time with this fellow. It, it took a little while. And he's talking to him. He opened at his mouth. His mouth it's the same Scripture. Starting back in Isaiah. Starts where he was and starts talking about Jesus. I put this little thought down. Sow seed everywhere. But put your time into those who show interest. You're always looking to witness because you don't know for sure what's going on. But man, when somebody shows interest in things, you take opportunity of that. If God's put you into crossing a path and, and coming across someone, and they're showing interest in the things of God, and you're somebody who knows God, pretty good evidence that you ought to tell them about God. I know we're supposed to anyway because it's a commandment to do, but I'm just saying you have all kinds of golden opportunities come up right in front of you. All the time. And so what is it? Sow seed everywhere. Put your time into those that show interest. Um, notice that the, uh, the Spirit was leading Philip. The Spirit told him to go down to Gaza. He didn't know why. He didn't have full explanation. He just felt like he was supposed to go there. Yeah, I'm supposed to go there. Then when he got to Gaza, he sees this chariot and he goes, okay, I'm supposed to talk to him. So look what's happening here. You have Philip, who's a saved man, and the Spirit's leading him. And at the same time, you have the Spirit convicting and convincing the Ethiopian. And so this Ethiopian has a concern for his soul. My experience is not your experience. We're all saved by the same common salvation. But our experiences are different. And I don't want you to become experience-oriented. But I just want to say to you that before I received the Lord, I'd had uh, the, the nudge of things with the Gospel presented to me out or bailing hay out in the field. But I began to get on my bicycle and ride up to the little town of Gratis, Ohio. Population 800. We lived out in the country, not in the big city there. And we, I, I rode my bicycle up there, went to a little United Brethren church, and sat there. I went Sunday after Sunday, tried to listen. Unfortunately, the gospel was not preached in that particular church. Maybe you've known one of those churches where they did preach the gospel, but that one did not. The fellow got up and read, read out the good news from Modern Man and uh, told a little story. And I was fascinated alternately between the stained glass and a certain girl that sat in front of me a few ahead. And uh, 
When the preacher's boring, you got to figure something to be worth your time. And so, he said, I wasn't very spiritual. I wasn't, trust me. And I went up week after week, and I'd go. Nobody in the family asked me to go. Nobody there invited me to go. Why? Because God was starting to convict. I was becoming concerned about things I hadn't been concerned about before, and God was working. I see that now. I didn't see that then. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew this, this was a different behavior for me. And then thankfully, I eventually got under the sound of gospel preaching and accepted the Lord back in 1980. But with that all said, that God was working on one side of it, with the, with the Ethiopian, this eunuch over here, God's working on him to convince him and convict him. I don't know. I don't know if people who worked around him knew it. I don't know if the queen he served would have ever known it. I don't know. You know, who knew what about him or if he showed that he had such an interest. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But at the same time, God's leading over here with Philip. And you know what God's wanting to do? He's wanting to get the two of them together. And you notice when Philip left, he went on his way rejoicing. The Ethiopian was rejoicing. Both of them were. Because God, Philip got to have a blessing and he got to have that rejoicing because he kept following the Lord and God had somebody for him that God was preparing. And Philip didn't have to argue with him. He didn't have to fuss with him. He didn't have to use some great salesman techniques on him. He opened his mouth at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus, matching exactly what Jesus had said, you shall be witnesses unto me. And he went out. And when he was, he was, he was obeying that command and, and he was telling about the Lord. So what's leading? Sow seed everywhere. Man, just really do. Go looking for people you can talk to. You'd be amazed who you can talk to all the time. But put your time in those who show interest. Then the Spirit was leading him. Then let me say to you, look at verse 32. I love this. Look, look what happens in verse 32. <clears throat> nope, I moved, my, I moved, my, moved my chapter. I had Peter all of a sudden showing up there. And I knew he wasn't supposed to be there. Verse 32. The place of the Scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before a shear, so opened he not his mouth. The Ethiopian was in the right spot in the Scripture, but he couldn't make sense of it. He couldn't make sense of it. There are plenty of smart people who can't make sense of it. It's a spiritual thing. And that doesn't have to do with intellect. There are plenty of religious people who don't understand it. You know, um, he needed somebody to guide him. And when he did that, he opened himself up and the Ethiopian was humble about it. Someone who's wanting to fuss and fight with you, they're not humble. Or they may be trying you, and you get that sometimes. And God will have to give you wisdom to know. I've had some spunky ones I've dealt with. And uh, I've had some that are kind of feisty when they start out, and that's okay. And, and that's fine. But... This, this man, he wanted to know. He, he couldn't make sense of what he was reading. He couldn't make sense of what he was seeing. He couldn't make sense of what was going on. He did not know. Then look in verse 35. What happens? Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. To lead, um, we have to be led by the Spirit and then we need to be prepared to lead. If someone came up to you, I'll ask you a serious question. What you think about it? Someone came up to you and said, hey, I know you go to church and such. Concerned about my soul. I, I, I'm concerned. I want to know. How can somebody go to heaven? Maybe they said, uh, I have a need in my life and I don't know if I know God. 
Can you tell me how to know God? Can you? Not, can you give them a philosophy? Can you show them scripture? I'm not talking about just your capacity for recall. Can you tell them what the scripture says? Sometimes we can't get the address as easily. Meaning by that, we might know what something says and then not what chapter and verse it is. Can you? Right now. The young person comes to one of you four young people. They find out, as sometimes young people do, that they have a very life-threatening situation. They're broken in their heart. I don't know why things are gone on. Said, hey, you go to church. Can you tell me about God? Can you? Would you? Can you? Can you tell Adults, can you tell He opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. He preached, you know, all the different doctrines of the Bible. I'm a doctrinal preacher. I believe it's a good word. It's a Bible, good Bible word. But what they need to hear is Christ. I believe more of you probably are equipped than you might think because you do know who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. You do know why He came to this earth. You do know that He gave Himself for us. You do know that He rose from the dead. So actually, you may be thinking, oh, I couldn't really do that. Well, maybe if they had you in Isaiah 53, you couldn't explain Isaiah 53, but you could tell them who Jesus is, couldn't you? Of course you could. And so, if you are unequipped, real equipped, and, and you know that, and I challenge you to get Scripture in you so the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Matthew, there's been many occasions I've been talking to somebody about whatever situation, and the Lord will bring verses back to my mind or you know, thing I hadn't thought of applying a certain way. Um, but may I say to you, it's got to be in there for Him to bring it back. God's not just going to drop it in there when you've not exposed yourself to it. You'd be amazed how the Lord can bring things to your mind that you didn't know that you knew. But you've got to put them in there first. Uh, if, if the well's dry, it doesn't matter how good the bucket is or how long the rope is. You can't get water out of it. You've got to, got to have something in there. And so what he did, he was prepared to lead him. He came prepared to lead him. He came prepared to help this fellow. May God help us to be prepared. If we as a church, individually, if we are not prepared to help people know about God, then why, pray tell me, do we exist? If it's entertainment, we're not doing so well at that. If it's as a social club, then that's pitiful. As a church, we exist to help people know the living God. Individually. God's preacher's job. No, that's my responsibility and my privilege as a Christian man. It's also my calling as a preacher. But it's no less your responsibility and privilege. As we go out from here, most, most time, most weeks, we have some about visit. We have something like that. We have a lot of visitors through in the course of a year. But I'll take this morning because it's unusual. We've got a good, good representation, good crowd here this morning. But we do not have among us one new visitor in this adult service right now. I don't know if the children's services, but this in here, we don't. But you know what we have? However many may be in this auditorium right now. The auditorium's comfortably full through here and good, good representation here. If, if all of us go out there as you're going along through your day, as you're going along through your week, and you're looking for opportunity... You have this many opportunities just in us at this age. 
those in this service to that many people have the opportunity to maybe learn something about the Lord that they wouldn't have before. We've got to look at it the way God wants us to look at it. Be prepared to lead. Be prepared to lead. And then, let me say, look again in verse 35. It says that he opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. It underscores the necessity of God's Bible in leading people to the God of the Bible. The necessity of God's Bible in leading people to the God of the Bible. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Yesterday I was, a, I was concerned for just a second at the beginning of that message. And it's not a slap at all towards Brother Luke over there. He did a good job with that. But he started out a little different way than we did. And he started out by telling a story of a book that had been written by a Christian author. Well, as a Bible and gospel preacher, I'm going, oh no. Because the place, a lot of people were there at that, at that homegoing service. A lot of people there. And they, and I thought, ah, this golden opportunity. They don't need to hear stories by a Christian author. Word of God. I sat and listened. He said, you're being judgmental. I really was. I was just concerned. I didn't know. I didn't know where the young man would go and such. But he did well. He took it and took it straight over to the gospel, went to the scripture and then gave the scripture and did with that. And it's not a matter of what I would or wouldn't do as a preacher. He didn't do anything evil or bad. I don't even want to give you an impression of that. People have different ways of approaching things. But the thing that I was heartened by, and I said to him when I went out, Pay respects. I said, thank you for presenting the gospel to the people. Let them hear the word of God. Why? Because that's what people need. It is the Bible that people need. They need to know biblically why Jesus came. Look, quoting things word for word is more a matter of recall than spirituality. Although I do believe when we put the word of God in us, it is so designed that it becomes part of us. But it's, that's a matter of recall. Sometimes you have people who can read something and give back what I said, hey, I read the quote today, something like that. And other folks have been in the Bible all their life, and God bless them, they, they, they'll tangle up Jesus' wept if they try to quote it, okay? No. <laughs> Jesus sniffled, Jesus cried, what was it? Jesus, oh, he wept, yeah, that's right. There's a little trouble with that. That's recall. But when I'm talking about we need the Bible, Ultimately and best, we want to give them the Bible. Ultimately and best, we want to give the Bible clearly, accurately, as it is. But let me tell you something. When you are staying on biblical foundation, maybe you're talking to them and you're saying, look, Jesus Christ came because we were sinners. Maybe you don't know to be able to tell them all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Maybe you don't know to tell them uh, there's an unrighteous, no, not one. Maybe you can't quote those things out. But you say, God's Word says that we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law. You're being biblical in your approach. I'm not saying don't try to get things in and, and learning so you can actually give the Word of God out is ultimately where you want to go with it. But don't think because you may tangle something up that you can't be useful to the Lord. God will help you. He really will. Don't you think when you, as a child of God, look for an opportunity and you are trying to do what you know your Heavenly Father wants, which is make Him known, don't you think He'll help you with that and He'll be pleased helping you with it? Of course he will. And he does, and he will. You can, be, you can have courage in that. The necessity of God's Bible, we need it. 
It's not a philosophy. It's not adopting religion. It's Christ. And we need to talk to him about that. He asked the question in verse 30. He said, understand us what thou readest. He didn't say, oh, that's a good point. Oh, you know this? He said, do you understand? Do you know what that is talking about? Then in verse 35, he began at the same Scripture. He asked him that question. Do you understand what you're reading? He was reading about the crucifixion written over seven centuries before it happened. He's reading that prophecy. And he said, do you understand it? He said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. And he goes up there. What he does, he starts right at that point. He says, here's who it's talking about. Because what it's talking about there is the event of the crucifixion and resurrection. And he says, here's what he's talking about. Here's who it was. And he said, let me tell you who it's talking about. It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. Well, look for opportunities like that. I'm talking about lessons and leading. And then... Lesson the Spirit leads those who believe to be obedient and desire to be identified with Jesus. Um, my wife and I got married May will be 36 years ago after the wedding had the reception there and all that at one place at the church. We didn't get down with me on and said, that's been great, huh? Really neat. You look beautiful in your dress. Been wonderful. Look at that stack of presents. Made out like a band is right here. It's wonderful. I'll call you next week. It is not natural for someone who actually believes on Christ to not want to be identified with Him. Someone who professes to believe in Christ, and perhaps they do, is ashamed to be identified with Christ, then there is a problem involved somewhere. Maybe some preacher would say, well, they're not really saved. I don't believe I can biblically support that, nor would I want to. I don't think it's the direction of things. I can say categorically, there's a problem somewhere. Something needs addressed in their life to help them be healthy with the Lord. And so what is it? The, uh, there's a natural to want to follow the Lord. It's natural for them to want to do that, to go and to uh, be identified with the Lord. Here He is. Did uh, Philip there? I was calling him Steve. Did Philip uh, talk to him about baptism? I don't know. Doesn't tell us about that, does it? But I don't know. He's following the commission, so maybe he did. I don't know for sure. But I do know this: when that Ethiopian saw that water, he said, "Here's an opportunity. I want to follow the Lord. I want to be identified." He knew that's what baptism was, and he would have understood that because what had been happening in Jerusalem, where he'd come from. From Judaism, there would have been an opportunity for him to understand that. But here's the thing I want you to see about it. I want you to see that he said, I want to be identified with Jesus Christ. That leads to a question, a searching question, I believe. With what do we want to be identified? It's very revealing. With whom do we want to be identified? It's important. It indicates our heart. It indicates our direction. This lesson in leading, when someone has 
truly accepted Christ and they are rejoicing in the fact that they finally understand who He is. They want to be identified with Jesus Christ. I got saved in public high school. Excuse me. That's terrible when you have a lab in my car. I began just as a matter of course. I, I got so fascinated with the Bible. I've told you before, I had a little Gideon's New Testament, New Testament and Psalms. I started reading it. That's all I had. And um, then I got a Bible. And in fact, um, the, uh, the Bible I started carrying was when my wife got me. I still have it in my library. She got me on my 17th birthday. And I went to school with a brown, full-size Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Had it there. I wasn't waving it around. I wasn't showing it off. Had my Bible with me. So why'd you carry it with you? Nowhere. My preacher didn't say you ought to carry your Bible to school. He didn't do that. He was for being a bold witness, but he never said that. There was no pressure or prestige or anything to do that. I just wanted the Bible. And I had a few minutes. I always liked reading, so I would have my Bible. I'd read some with it. And truthfully, even Brother Keith, when I was reading it, I, I just I like having it around me. I, I'm still that way. I just like having God's book near me. It's, it's so precious to us. And I still remember I had a fellow, his name was Andy. And he was a partying sort of guy. And he, he was sitting there in one class and I walked in, I had my Bible, I showed off and stuff, I'm just carrying stuff, and some of y'all know how schools were then, you're going from class to class, bells ringing, blah, 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 you know, the busyness of the high school. And I walked in, and I set my books down on the, on the desk, and three or four of the guys in the corner, well, Andy looks at me and goes, oh, Father Manny. I said, excuse me? He said, Father Manny, now, you got your Bible, you know. And I walked over to him. I must have walked over fast. I walked over to him. A couple of the guys go, uh-oh. And I came up to him, and he's looking up at me like, what's coming next? You know? Don't insult my Christianity. I'll beat on you. Um, about the level I was at at that time. But, but instead, the Lord gave me a little bit of wisdom as a baby Christian. And I said, I said you're making fun of that. I said, that's all right. So let me tell you what that book means to me. Let me tell you what it's done. I started talking to him. Man, he turned red. He didn't say anything else about it. And he muttered when I walked away. He goes, he really is a priest. No. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I just want to be identified with the Lord. Every now and then you get some of the Lord's people, you go, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> but not the Lord Himself. Not His book. Who do you want to be identified with? Who do you want to be associated with? Our song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. He's a great friend to have. Some lessons in leading to be helpful to you today. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word, the grace, mercy, and beauty of it. Lord, I pray you help us to be people of your word in our living, 
in our loving and our relationships. God, I pray that you'll work on people here. Father, if I've spoken in the ears of someone who doesn't know you, may they not be satisfied just to think, well, maybe things might be all right. May they today get things settled, know you as their Savior, to come to you and confess that they're sinners, to come to you and accept you as their own. Bless, please, this invitation for your purpose. Amen. Let's stand together, please.